The word of our Lord from the prophet Micah. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Father in heaven, we thank you for your holy word. We pray that you would minister to our hearts by your word today as we gather to worship you and throughout these days of Advent. Help us to draw near to you and would you please draw near to us. In the name of Christ, our King, we pray. Amen. So this week I went to D.C. and it was kind of funny because while I was there, folks who would reach out to me, I would respond that, hey, I'm in D.C., I'll try to get back to you later. And they didn't know whether to believe it or not. And they were like, wait a minute, are you really in D.C.? Oh, yeah. Um, so I flew to D.C. earlier this week. And actually, en route, uh, as we boarded the plane here in Atlanta and we're headed up, up to D.C., I say we, it was me, um, while, uh, while I'm on the plane and we're getting ready to, to, to take off, the flight attendant invited all of us on the plane we encourage you to make yourself comfortable. We encourage you to make yourself comfortable. And immediately I thought about our theme for Advent this year, comfort and joy. We encourage you to make yourself, yourself comfortable. Now I love flying in planes. I don't do it all that often once a year maybe, um, but when I do, I really do enjoy it. I'm not an uncomfortable flyer. Some people, though, are very uncomfortable flyers. Um, they don't like getting on a plane. They don't like taking off. They don't like landing. They certainly don't like that little bit of turbulence you might get along the way in between. Um, but again, we encourage you to make yourself comfortable. The problem with that invitation not just about flying, but about life in general, really, is that we can't seem to do it. No matter how hard we try, we can't make ourselves comfortable. And that's the story of modern life. I say it's the story of modern life because of this, because discomfort used to be a given. That's what it meant to be alive, is... Bad things happen. It's a dangerous world we live in. In fact, the most dangerous thing you can do is live. Because every last one of us will one day not be alive. And yet, of course, the gospel hope is that not only will we still be alive in that moment, but we will also find at the end of time, that our, res our bodies will be resurrected 
and glorified. But discomfort used to be a given, and folks were comfortable in knowing that. And so what did they do? They enjoyed what they had. They enjoyed a little plot of land. They would work that land and celebrate the fruit of their labors by feasting. They enjoyed family. They enjoyed the possibility of a lineage that would outlive them. They found comfort even in the midst of the discomforts of living. Life was dangerous, but it was worth living. Now, in the modern world, we've convinced ourselves that there should be no dangers in life. None at all. Only guarantees of safety and safety at all costs. No matter the costs, we should all be safe and live forever, free of any harm, free of any trouble, free of any dangers. But, but life for many, and when I say for many, I mean a number that is steadily increasing, almost exponentially increasing, life seems not worth living which is strange because we live in a time where advancements are unprecedented where the possibilities for safety and security and plenty are unprecedented but life for many seems not worth living. And add to that something I've been telling you for the last several months. The world tells us that all the burden of being and belonging and becoming falls squarely on our own shoulders. It is your responsibility to be happy and it is your job to make yourself happy. It is you who defines you. It is you who discovers the destiny of you, who curates it, crafts it, and projects it out into the world in hopes of being affirmed by the world and told that is fantastic. You are being true to you. And yet the feeling of smallness, of insignificance, of worthlessness abounds. We feel alone in the world. We feel empty in the world. There is this inconsolable longing that we find within ourselves. C.S. Lewis used, it's, it's kind of a, a, a German term, and I don't even know how to pronounce it. Seinzig, something to that effect. This 
inconsolable longing. Almost like an emptiness that we find within ourselves. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. Because that inconsolable longing tells us there's something for which we are longing. Right? That emptiness tells us there's the possibility of being filled. Right? And so he said, and I'm getting ahead in our theme, because next week we light the candle of joy. But anytime we find like splashes or flashes of joy in life, those are signposts telling us keep heading in that direction. But for now we find within ourselves this inconsolable longing, a longing for another world, a longing not really for another world so much as a world that is radically different, a world that is put back together, that is as it ought to be. A couple of weeks ago during church, well, a couple of weeks ago, Lindsay, after church, told me of something that happened during church. Um, We've got Bibles for all the kids. We've got Um, tons of Bibles in our house, as you do too, I'm sure. Um, But one of the Bibles that we have that we bring to church every Sunday, because we want to make sure that all the kids have a Bible, um, is, I forget what it's called, but it's like comic book style Bible. If you've got little kids, you ought to ask Lindsay to show you that Bible. Emery's holding it up there. It's an impress. it's actually a really impressive Bible. And it's something that's so engaging for kids. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, Sue Ellen was looking at that Bible and she was flipping through it during, during church. Yeah, you were, girl. And she came across a picture of the Garden of Eden, David. And there's this snake slithering around this tree. And there's Eve. And there's an apple or a pomegranate. I don't know what it is. And what she said was this. As cute as could be, she said, that nakey nake, give her a nakey knack. <laughs> that nakey nake, give her a nakey knack. It was so sweet, so innocent. And Lindsay affirmed, yes, that snake did give her a snack. The problem, of course, is that all of the world's problems entered into the world because of it. Eve, in her desire, grabbed and grasped what was not hers to have. See, that's that's why what seems like such a small temptation and a small sin is found at the very end of the Ten Commandments. Those ten words that are to be, that our lives are be to, to be lived under. Do not covet what is not yours. Do not desire what does not belong to you. The fact is, we don't really know what it is to be hungry to be empty. And the reason why is because we get the munchies 
And what do we do? We find ourselves a snack. We start snacking often on junk food, things that really become to us poison. I had a working title for this sermon. Honestly, I I struggled throughout the week over what to call it. Um, And that working title was Dying for Comfort. But it seemed so morbid and dark. And I thought, even though Advent's kind of a dark season, and we're reminded, really, of the end of the world, where the world is headed, the return of Christ, our King, to put the world back together. And this season is filled with dark nights and bright lights shining in it. I opted for a different title, the one that's in your bulletin. But dying for comfort. We find ourselves longing to be comforted. Longing for a life that is put back together. Longing for wholeness and health and wellness and all that's implied in it. Longing to be comforted. Longing, really, for a place. Longing for Eden. Longing for that place in which God intended to dwell with His people. The book of Genesis, when it tells of Adam and Eve's fall, and then says that in the cool of the day, the Lord God came walking into the garden, it tells that story in such a way that seems very normal, very expected for Adam and Eve. When he was a little toddler, Aiden used to say, what's that sound? Anytime he heard something, what's that sound? There's no what's that sound in the, in, the, in the mouths of Adam and Eve. When they hear the Lord, they know precisely who it is. It's time to gather. It's time to meet. This is His home as much as it is their home. And ever since Eden, ever since that nakey-nake gave her a nakey-nack, we have been longing for that place longing for nearness with the God who made us in His image. Longing for peace. Longing for life as it ought to be. It's interesting that when Jesus in the Gospel sends out the disciples to minister He tells them, of course, you know, don't take this, do take that. Here's how you're going to kind of live among the people. One of the things he mentions is when you arrive at a house that is a house of peace. He tells them you're going to stay there. You're not hopping from house to house. But it's interesting, that phrase, house of peace. I don't know about you, but when I think of Bethlehem, I think of like a house of peace. It is a, we sing the song and we're going to sing it at the end of the service. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And it's such a, such a peaceful carol, such a peaceful hymn. It's quiet. It's still. 
It's a place of rest, a place of plenty. It's a shepherding town. Oh, Bethlehem, living in the, the region of Ephrathah. You seem like a nobody. You seem like nothing. You're a forgotten little village where shepherds dwell, where sheep farm. A place that nobody thinks of as being a place of royalty and grandeur. Just a quiet, dark little subdivision of a community outside the place where things are happening. A place like Jerusalem, the royal city, the city of kings. Bethlehem. You're not even... Worthy to be a part of the tribes of Judah. But a king is coming from you. Light is going to be shining in your darkness. One whose origins are from of old, ancient of days. You're a place of peace, who will bring peace to all the earth, because this one who is coming is coming to shepherd his people. He is coming to put the world back together as a righteous and holy king. And it's interesting that Jesus in his Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount that he says specifically, blessed are the peacemakers. But notice why they are blessed. Every one of the Beatitudes, it attaches for this, because this. And peacemakers, those who strive for peace, those who strive and long and work for a life that is being put back together, for a world as it ought to be, they shall be called sons of God. Sons of God speaks to belonging, speaks to being somebody, being part of a tribe, being part of a family, having your place among a certain people. And so he calls us to belong as people of peace. There is a a longing within our hearts for home, for a place where room has been made for us for a place to belong a people to whom we would belong the church is often often said to be not a museum but a hospital right and normally when we hear that reminder 
it's kind of a dig at maybe holiness, the desire to live into the fullness of life as God intended it to be lived, and kind of an affirmation of brokenness. But here's the thing about hospitals. They do a couple of things. Number one, they heal. A hospital is a place to be put back together. A place where broken and sick people are to be mended and made well. But how that healing happens is found in the etymology of the word hospital. And that etymology is hospitality. You know what hospitality is? It is to make room, to be open, to welcome in. It's what we're striving for when we have someone over to our homes and we say, please make yourself at home. That implies, but is a little bit different than make yourself comfortable. Because we can't make ourselves comfortable. Comfort comes from beyond us. It comes from the one who is our comforter. The one who cries out over Israel, comfort, comfort my people. We can't make ourselves comfortable, but we can make ourselves at home. We can attach ourselves to one another. We can attach ourselves to a people and we can attach ourselves to a place. Surrounding ourselves with people who love us. People who care for us. Attaching ourselves to the people of the God who cares for us and who made us. You might be familiar Catherine, I bet you know this. You might be familiar with how Bach presented his music. You know, the Bach. David, I always call David Yetter Bach anytime I see him because I know Bach was his favorite or is his favorite and he always blushes and gets amused and says, oh, no, 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 I'm no Bach. Bach, one of the best, perhaps my favorite of, of classical musicians. But he would, he would always, at the end of his music, sign it with the Latin phrase. Chris, you're going to appreciate this. You probably know it. Soli Deo Gloria. To the glory of God alone. But how was it that he was able to to sign his music that way. How was it that he was able to do that? At the beginning of his music was another Latin phrase. And that Latin phrase means simply this, Jesus help. Jesus help. 
See, the world tells us, make yourself comfortable. But Jesus invites us, please make yourself at home. And that's what we cry out to Jesus during Advent. Would you, Lord, please make yourself at home here? Because that's precisely what Christmas is about. The God who created all the starry hosts, who created the world, who created us, created all this to dwell with us as our God. The promises of God always appeal to the deepest longings of the human heart. And the prophet Micah, through the prophet Micah, Yahweh promises His people that there is one who is coming, our kingly shepherd, our shepherding king. He is coming so that we might dwell secure. And He Himself is promised will be their peace. See, last week we lit the candle of hope And hope is what we're doing in Advent. We're looking, we're longing, we're waiting, and we're watching. It points our eyes to the where and the when. Out yonder, out before us, out there. But today we've lit the candle of peace, which reminds us what we're looking for, what we're longing for. what we're waiting for and what we're watching for. It underscores the what of the coming kingdom. Life as it ought to be. A return to Eden. Because about the new Jerusalem, the Revelator John calls out, Behold, the dwelling of God is with man. And so today and this week, would you please, with me, try to get into a daily habit of prayerfully asking, please make yourself at home, Lord Jesus. Please make yourself at home. Father, we thank you that you made us for the purpose of being with us, of dwelling with us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to to nurture that desire to be near you, to be with you, to know you, to be known by you, to love you, to be loved by you. Lord, would you please stoke our heart's deepest longing? 
longing for home, longing to be yours, longing for Emmanuel, God with us. Father, may this day and this week be a day and a week in which we will draw near to you. In which those around us would be affected by that drawing nearness. Lord, we pray that as we draw near to you, that you would help us to do all of the good that we can in this world. To minister to those who you bring along our paths. To shine the light of the gospel in a world that is dark. That is desperate that is dying to be comforted. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.